to The Therapist's Invitation. I'm Mark Mayfield. And I'm Trevor Sharon. And today, we thought we would try something a little bit different. It might seem very fam- somewhat familiar to other topics that we've talked about, but... Um, but really, what conversations are not similar to Similar other to other things. Okay, that's good. Makes me, feel, <laughs> makes me feel better about coming up with this topic today. Yeah. But the idea of the only constant we can count on is change. Yep. Uh, and I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way just because we want to be in control. Um, yeah. And, and kind of indicative of change is that we have to let go of control. So yep. kind of the topic I want to talk about today. Um, and we'll see where we go from there. Yep. But before we do that. Something good. Something good. Something good for me is going to be something real, real simple. Okay. I got a pour over this morning of a Costa Rica blend. And there are some mornings, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. There are some mornings <laughs> that your coffee just hits so good. Like yep. nothing's really all that different. But that morning, coffee's real good. And that's this morning for Co- me. Coffee snub. I, I try not to be. I'm not as much as I used to be in like 2014. Well, uh, true. And I'm not as Yikes. much as some other people that I know. So <laughs> not to be named nameless. Uh, I think something good for me is I was, uh, my wife and I, uh, so by the time that you listen to this, it'll be already done. Mm-hmm. But we get to go on a, a kind of a marriage weekend coming up. That's uh, awesome. But it's in uh, the mountains of New Mexico. And I was checking the weather oh. for the mountains. And like the day Did you say Mexico or New Mexico? New Mexico. Okay. New Mexico. Thank you. It's about three hours away from our house. Yeah. And the daytime temperature is going to be like 51, 52, and nighttime wow. is like 17. And yeah, I gosh. love, like, I love that kind of, yeah, that weather. Yeah. I love, you know, in the mountains, especially curling up in a blanket, fireplace going, that kind of stuff. So I'm good for you. Looking forward to that kind of stuff. The things I need to feel human yeah. are a shower in the morning every morning. And uh, to not be super frigid cold all night. Okay. Uh, and so camping is like the opposite of that. My family's going on a camping trip this, this weekend yeah. with my four-month-old. <laughs> so so real, no, really no, looking forward to that. No sleep. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you, can, you can tell I chose coffee as my something good, not my camping trip. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be a lot so of fun. So for all of our listeners, you can send coffee to – no, I'm just kidding uh, – but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not excited for the change of environment that I'm going to experience this weekend. Is it like two nights or one night? Two nights. I know. Uh, it's going to be a struggle oh. for me. Um, the only camping experience I've had was when our oldest was four months old and she spent the whole night screaming. Yeah. We, Fortunately, and- we're driving ourselves. We're going up with my family, but we're driving ourselves. And so I can change things pretty easily if I need to okay. and just come home. Because yeah, that's good. Because you know, we she she woke up screaming five, maybe less than a year old, and we ended up having to like strap her in the car seat in the jeep that we had at the time, and we slept slept yeah. air quotes for those that don't you know in the jeep, and she finally calmed down. And we haven't been camping since. Oh, yeah, that's almost. My wife really likes camping, almost so I'm, I'm willing to. Go out of my comfort zone, okay. go into an environment that I don't have any control over, that I can't, like, do sure. all the things that make me feel comfortable. For those listening, too, you know, it's going to be, you know, middle of October, yeah. and, you know, mountain temperatures get... We're in a cabin, though. That was my one stipulation. Okay. So it's not really camping, then. It is for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's... It's... Okay. I see where your head's at. So, anyways, Mark, I've been... 
trying to pass this off to you several times. Of I know, but I keep on going deep, deeper, and deeper, deeper and deeper and deeper here. And out of my environment. I'm just, I'm just, in, just in, intrigued by how flustered you're getting by, uh, by It'll this. be good, but it, it's going to be hard. So, yeah, so the, the idea of change, the only thing we can count on is change. Yeah. Like, why do you feel like that messes with people so much? Well, whenever I work with young clients and their parents especially, actually solely their parents, um, let me rephrase that entirely then. So yeah. whenever I'm working with the parents of oh, my young, young clients, there we go. Uh, I always try to communicate that like there's a couple of things that you're going to be able to do that are going to set your kid up for success. Mm. The first is to have your fundamentals of discipline and parenting. What are the things that you're able to maintain even on the worst day right. so that you can offer consistency. If your kid knows this is the bottom threshold, this is going to be consistent. Right. And add on to that later. The other thing is have consistency in your scheduling and your communication of what's about to happen because as human beings and especially as children, right. we crave structure. We crave consistency. We crave predictability sure because there's a sense of safety there's a sense of understanding competence control managing if i know that you're about to throw a baseball to me it's easier for me to catch than if i don't right okay and i think that's just an element of us as human beings and some people do it better than others some people might be like me where they are very adaptable but that adapting part hurts real bad Oh my gosh. Um, yes. <laughs> so like you're still like it's a weird place because you're like, yeah, I do adapt very well, but man, does it get me sometimes. Well, I yeah, I think I'm the same way. I adapt pretty well. And I I in, in some ways it's kind of this it's tension. I in, enjoy change and I hate change. Yeah. Like and so it's like you know, this tension, but it's because I'm an empath, you know, I feel all the feelings. And we'll talk a little bit about you know, next episode mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about, you know, a, a, this idea of we can feel the feelings, just don't hurt people yeah. in the process. So I think you know that's, but I think that's a, a, an interesting point that change brings up a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. even if you like change. Yeah. Right. I mean, the tension of it. You know, I um, one of my dear, our dear friends, uh, David Galvan, yeah, um, says this in, in our, our parent talks. We've talked about this quite a bit. That there's like three buckets, things that you can change. Okay. Right. Basically. Or things that you can control. Sorry, yep. not change. Things that you can control. Okay. So yep. when change happens, what can you control? Yep. Well, basically, it's really simple. Thoughts, feelings. Like how you react. Yep. Thoughts, feelings, right? What you can influence uh -huh. is the next bucket. So, okay, I can control these things. Can I? What can I influence? Yeah. And then the other bucket is what I can't yeah. change or right. control. And we have to really recognize those three things. And I think when change happens, uh, we tend to go over here to the things I can't control and we try to hold on yeah. desperately to that and try to manipulate and control yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that's, um, I think human nature, Yeah. but like how much like more free would we be if we recognize, okay, I can't control that. I can sit with these emotions. I can control the emotions and thoughts, yep. but I can't do anything about what just happened. Yeah. Well, if you go back to our conversation about, uh, I think, disappointment or big problems, I think it was probably mm -hmm. throughout a lot of conversations. Right. It's interesting. It's COVID-19 COVID <laughs> uh, conversations we're having, right? Well, and at the beginning of COVID, uh, Julia and I, um, Julia Watson is the host of Monday Minute, 
and she uh, she and I got together and we did a video f- announcing some of the changes that were going to happen to Monday Minute mm-hmm. and just trying to um, communicate that clearly. And we talked about locus of control, which is what we've kind of talked around. And it's this idea that you have a circle and outside of that circle, you can't control inside the circle. You can control slash manage. Mm-hmm. And so going back to our conversation about big problems, it's really about understanding what are the things that you have influence over. And if they're past your influence, how much time are you giving to worrying about them or fretting over them? And is that a reasonable amount for, you know, because obviously I can't go about not worrying about certain things that are Mm -hmm. outside of my control because they're important things, you know, like I can't control whether or not my house is currently on fire. Right. I might worry about that, but it would be really unhealthy for me to worry about that a lot right now. And maybe it's just, you know, having the thought of what if my house is on fire? Well, then I'm going to go home to it and it's not going to be there and we'll figure it out from there. Right. Moving on to whatever is next right now. Um, And we don't do that very well as a culture. We're a pretty worryful culture. I was reviewing a training from two years ago with our friend Steve Earle, Mm. and he cited some research that showed that only 15% of what we worry about ever comes to fruition. If if that. Right. Oh, yeah. And then he broke it down further where it was like 2% of that is actually like. That's it happened. Legitimate or something. But. Yeah. Like this sense of worry and this sense of change. And I think we can feel feelings about change but we can also feel feelings about the potential of change right and i think there's a big distinction there and i think that's where like you said worry anxiety kick in yeah is if we're we're thinking about the potential for change you know are we really living in the moment which could be a whole nother conversation about what it means to live in the moment for sure um i think the reason i wanted to bring this topic up is we shouldn't be surprised by change, Mm-mm. but we shouldn't be holding our breath yeah. that it's coming around the corner. Like, yeah. does that make sense? Like, Don't I, dread something you don't know is going to happen, right. but also be ready for change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's interesting. I, I get a little frustrated with people sometimes, and this is my own stuff to own, right? But <laughs> I get frustrated with people sometimes when they are just so put off by change. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean by that? Meaning like it, like it was a personal offense or it was like, you know, how dare you or how dare the world or how dare, the, you know, yeah. whatever. And I'm like, do you think that's entitlement? I don't know. I think there's a part of it that might be. But I also think it might just be a, a natural trigger reaction mm-hmm. that like I just got comfortable. Like, how dare you change things? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. Right. Fair. I, I get to. I, I see where you're coming from. We can still be therapists and validate right. what you're feeling is what you're feeling. And why are you taking it as a personal offense? Yeah. Like, do some self reflection on that. Like, um, like I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were just talking about where we're at with COVID and, and some things that have been happening and that kind of stuff. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, "I'm a simple guy." Like. I get to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. I haven't missed a meal since COVID happened. Mm -hmm. I've been sleeping in my house that I own. Uh, You know, I have a car that, you know, doesn't have a car payment. Yeah. Um, And yeah, some things have changed, but I look at the end of the month and I'm like, I got a little extra to put in savings. Like I'm blessed. Right. 
I don't, but that we don't think that way sometimes, no. you know, and I think that, so maybe it is entitlement. I don't know. What do you think? Like I, I'm, that's kind of wrestling with that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think there's two ends of the spectrum or at least I'm going to act as you're if gonna there's create, two. You're going to create yeah, two I'm ends of the spectrum. Two, a false dichotomy. <laughs> um, on one end of the spectrum, we have the very privileged who may err on the side of entitlement. Sure. And then in the other side of the spectrum, we have the less privileged who may err on the side of a trauma response where it's change doesn't actually matter because that's just the lot that we've been given. And, and that I think, so I think like, you know, on the spectrums of bad responses, we have the entitlement, which is a bad response of like, how dare you change this? I don't deserve to be treated this way or to have things changed on me. Right. The other side is, well, yeah, of course change is going to happen. Like, uh, it always happens to me and I never get comfortable because it's not worth it because something's going to come and mess that up and blah, blah. And that I would consider to be more of a trauma response. Mm-hmm. Um, and the appropriate or healthy response isn't necessarily somewhere in the middle, though I think it could be, but it's somewhere along the lines of this hurts. Mm-hmm. Let me validate my own feelings because I'm going to experience feelings because something's changed. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or bad, like right. the the world constantly moves. And if we're living beings in this world, mm-hmm. we're going to have feelings about things that are changing and moving and right. being different. Um, and also having the response of how can I do this part well? Sure. And that's hard. That takes a lot of emotional intelligence. That takes a lot of just health as a person. Um, And there may be some days that, you know, a really healthy, mature person does that really well. And the very next day they do it really poorly. Sure. And I think that's, there's, then lies grace. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's like, you know, um, some stuff happened a couple, about last week for me. And I realized I didn't handle it as well as mm. I usually do. And mm-hmm. I had to take a step back and go, why? There's that awareness piece yeah. of let's reevaluate. Uh, I think, though, that sometimes when we have either end of the spectrum that you just said, the entitlement side or yeah. the, the trauma response, there's not awareness around those. Yeah, a lot of the time that's true. Right. So it's, you know, you're responding with entitlement. Yeah. Well, and if you think about what I said with the healthy response, it starts with validating feelings. And you've said for several years now, the first step to emotional intelligence is being able to name your feelings. Right. And so, and maybe there's a step zero of maybe. being aware that you have feelings. Well, <laughs> we can talk yeah, about that we're later. Not, we're not, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, robots. Yeah. yeah. But like, even, you know, we had a, a team meeting recently that was really, really, really hard and um, affected everybody, and I was affected by it. And even though, you know, it didn't really change my thoughts or feelings about what we're doing or anything like that, I still had feelings. Sure. And was still engaged emotionally with what was happening and had to sit with that and say, like, okay, this was hard mm-hmm. for me as a person and I need to make sure that I take care of myself today right. and take the opportunities that I can to maybe just, you know, nurse my heart a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, even though it's not something that was devastating to me change wise and not something that was, you know, totally out of the blue for me, but it was something that 
was hard. Yeah. And, and sometimes we just experience change and it can be really, really, really good. Like what word, what this meeting was about, or it can be something that's really, really, really bad. Like, Hey, everybody has to self quarantine and all the businesses are shut down. <laughs> Wait, what? We did that? <laughs> so, like, there's that, there's that spectrum too. But in any case, like, it's really important to recognize that you're going to have feelings about it. And that's not wrong. Right. Uh, this will lead well into, you know, next, next week's conversation. So, it, I think on that note, let's, let's pause for a second and, and talk about, you know, something that we're doing at, at Mayfield or, you know, something that we can, you know, that's, yeah. Or a highlight. Yeah. Something that's good. That's yeah. Good. So one of the things that I'm going to highlight just because it's my little baby uh, is um, the Monday Minutes and Therapist Invitation and our Meet Mayfield videos and all of the different resources that we try to do here at Mayfield. There are, you know, I've been doing a lot of looking around at different practices in the nation. Right. And there aren't many organizations that are providing actionable tools for non-clinicians. Yes. There's quite a few tools for clinicians sure. because, I mean, that's necessary. But I also think it's really necessary to make sure that moms and dads and teens and, and peers and students and teachers and just people mm-hmm. are able to feel equipped on, like, a teacher, my student just came to me and said that they're cutting and suicidal or uh, a friend. My friend just told me that they're feeling really depressed and I have no idea what to say. I responded by trying to fix it and that didn't seem to be helpful. And, and so being able to provide some resources on like, Hey, when this sort of situation happens, here's a really positive way to experience that and to engage um, and so you can find that on Mayfield Counseling Center's YouTube page. You can find it on the Facebook page, um, hopefully other places as we go forward. Um, but they're just a great ongoing free resource. Mm. Yeah, it's good. That's and, halfway decently produced. Uh, give, yourself, <laughs> give yourself some more credit. It's there. halfway well produced. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's fun to watch the first one and to see where we are. Oh, gosh. And, so just the progression is yeah. fun, especially like with our podcast too. Oh right? man, um, I like that. Well, and the resources too, I think, help in these conversations too. Yeah, like how do I manage change? Well, we talked about glad, and we've talked yep. about mindfulness, and we've talked about locus of control. Locus, yeah, all those kind of things. Yeah. So I think that's good. Just a good uh, touch touch point. So totally awesome. Yeah. So I think I'd love to like actionable steps, actionable items yeah. for those that are listening. So how do we? We talked a lot about it. You know, maybe people are recognizing, okay, maybe I'm erring on the entitlement side. Maybe I'm erring on the yeah. triggered side. Or maybe I'm someplace in the middle. Maybe I like change, but I don't like change. Yeah. And maybe, you know, whatever. So what would be, like, your top two um, takeaways of yep. how to manage? Here are my top two. Yes. <laughs> the first one is reflect on how you've handled change in the past. Okay. It's to recognize two key elements. Mm. How long did it take you before those feelings weren't tolerable again? Right. So like like when did it, when did they start becoming more familiar and not yeah. so painful? Okay. Yeah. When were you like did it take you a whole day to get to the point where you were able to, you know, talk about it without being overwhelmed? Sure. Um so figure that out as you're reflecting. The second thing is like what happened to help you through that process. Yeah. You may discover, oh, every time that I've gone through a major change, 
I've gone and taken a math. Right. That's really valuable information. So reflect. Okay. And then the second one is create an action plan. Hmm. So that you know the next time that a major change happens and my feelings feel intolerable, I have this piece of paper that I can pull out and it says, hey, Trevor, big change just happened. Just remember that it usually takes you about 24 hours to work through those feelings. Mm. Here are the things that have helped you in the past. I want to encourage you, choose two of these things to do in the next 24 hours and, you know, list it out. Take a bath, call a friend, um, watch you know, office bloopers. Um, here's what, here's, here's the action plan that you have available to you. And then we can do more work after that. So this is more like a crisis response plan, but I think that that can be really valuable in preparing you for change in a way that's not like dread. Yeah, no, it's good. And I, I, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, there's been a lot of change happening. And so, um, as a leader trying to respond to that change yeah. and people's reactions, you know, one of my, my friends sent me this picture and it just says, as you're listening, think about your tone, think about the rate that you're speaking, mm-hmm. think about your breathing, think about your listening, think about what you're going to say mm-hmm. before you say it. Think about what questions that might be asked. Think about how you might encourage that, you know, so it's, it's a little bit different, but it's my response yeah. to somebody's response yep. to change. But I think that's also important for us to maybe reflect on. Mm-hmm. As I'm reacting to change, what is my tone? Yeah. What is my breath? What is my response? What questions could I ask? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are my emotions? So it's yeah. it's that awareness piece. Uh, the, the greatest advice I was ever given um, when something happens that really affects you was to write out how you felt mm. without censoring. Mm-hmm. And then sleep on it, mm-hmm. right? Like you talked about, yep. was it twenty four hours? Yeah, don't email it. Don't, <laughs> don't type I've, it in an email. I've made that mistake. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Probably ten years ago, twelve years ago. Don't do did that. Not happen. <laughs> did not react well. Didn't turn out well. Um, but sit with it. Yeah, sleep on it. Uh, then come back and reread it mm-hmm. and go. Oh man, that was a lot of emotion. Yep, it was okay. Who is the author that said, "Write drunk, edit sober"? Yes. I don't remember who, don't remember who yeah. it was, but, but the, like, yeah, same, same, same drunk on emotions. Yeah. You know, so then come back and edit it. And then if you need to have that conversation yeah. with somebody or if you need to send that email or if you need to, you know, now it's not your emotional, right. you can't take that emotion stuff back. Right. But how often, you know, and I'm speaking to myself, like I'm got a lot of experience therapy wise, but I still fall into that trap. Yeah, isn't it a bummer that we as therapists don't get to like become perfect human beings at the end of our career? That'd be awesome. But we are human and we, we still need part of the reason we talk about these things is that we need them ourselves. Right? Oh my gosh. So so I just I, I think those those things, right? Just pay attention. Yeah. You know, and um I know for me that when something big happens, it takes me about four to seven days mm-hmm. for the the emotions to go away completely. Yep. Takes me about twenty four hours for the intensity of those emotions, yeah. but then about four to seven days. And this is, goes back to the conversation that I have with my clients. That I think I've shared with this on the podcast of what it means to be old friends with your emotions. Yep. Like, yeah, I'd be shocked if you haven't. I don't, that. Yeah. So I don't. I, for me, it's like when my anxiety pops up because I can't control people's responses. I can go, okay, I'm going to sit with that. Yeah. I'm going to breathe into it, and 
you know, I can feel that as I'm talking right now. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it's going to be here for maybe 24 hours. Yeah. And the intensity will go away. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Well, so your challenge is contemplate how you manage change. Mm-hmm. Think about the inevitability of change. Oh, big word. Yeah. It's coming. I used it a lot when uh, we did our death. Show. Oh, yeah. Just to stack on, like, change is happening, death's coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hope you feel real good at the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, make sure you're not driving while you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. But there, there is, a, like, take courage that just because change is about to happen and inevitable does not mean that it has to be devastating to you, mm-hmm. even if it's a devastating change. Right. Um, the whole concept of, you know, existential counseling is that, nothing should be able to change those things within your circle of control because that's your power to control. Yep. And we're not, so we're not, we're not victims of our surroundings. Yeah. We have the ability to step in and make choice. Yeah. The world can take your body. It can take your livelihood. It can take all of those things, but it shouldn't be able to impact your behaviors or thoughts and your feelings. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. 